The Christmas season is one of our favorite seasons here at Milestone Church, and we're glad that you're listening with us this week. Before we dive into this week's message, we invite you to join us this Christmas, whether on-site or online, for our Christmas candlelight services, December 19th through the 24th. You can find all the information you need on our website at milestonechurch.com. We'll sing some Christmas songs, hear an encouraging message from our pastor, and light a candle together as we celebrate the birth of our Savior. And now, to this week's message. I want to welcome you to Milestone Church. I want to welcome those of you watching online and those of you in our video venues. Would you join me in welcoming them? Good to have you all with us. Here we are. We're racing to co- towards Christmas only a couple weeks away, and we'll be there. I hope you and your family are enjoying the moments leading up to Christmas. Ladies, I know you all had an incredible Christmas moment this week at Joy. How many of you ladies were at Joy? Here's a little secret you may or may not know. A part of the pastoral staff, we sneak in. We, we try to sing high so as not to be a distraction during the worship. But uh, what a powerful time there. As you could see, incredible moments that we had there. Uh, just so powerful. I don't know if you know this. Close to 50 women giving their lives to Christ over those two nights. Incredible, yeah. Uh, yeah, worth clapping. And then there, as you could see in the picture, uh, we gave out over 500 gifts to single women and widows because of your generosity to make their Christmas special this year. So cool. That's worth clapping for, I think, again. You may, uh, you may not notice, we, we did something new this year. There's a picture there of Pastor Jeff signing books. He just came out with a book that's really a life project. It's, we've, we've leaked it out here. It'll come out later in the year uh, on coaching and developing men. And one of our team members said, you know, maybe we should give that to the single moms. And we're like, wait a minute, men, single moms, they're like, no, for their kids because... We know one thing, they need help in this area that matters most to them. And we really were blown away by the response. So many single moms telling us what an impact and how uh, supported and encouraged and they were anxious about that area. And so we're developing even mentor programs to go along with the book. Really cool thing that happened all because of your generosity. And I don't know about you, this is a year where we need joy. We, We need hope. We need to be reminded of the great things going on in the world because all of us, you know, for the past few months and and legitimate challenges we're all facing, legitimate challenges you at home online are facing, but, but it doesn't help to just keep going, it's the worst year ever, it's terrible, and every conversation has this specter of a dark cloud over it. We need to be people of hope, people of life, people looking towards a future. And that can be hard at Christmas, let's just be honest. Christmas is filled with stress and challenge and pressure and some great moments, and, and we all love it because we love how it makes us feel, but if we're honest, Christmas isn't just one thing, it's a lot of things, right? It's the moments with your kids, with laughter. It's the moments as a family of joy, but it's also moments of sadness because there's an empty chair this Christmas or there's a loss of a job or a health situation or maybe the loss of a marriage, a, a marriage or a relationship falls apart and you're, the, the, the world's telling you you need to be holly and jolly and you're like, I don't feel holly and jolly and things are off and I don't know how to go through this and I'm trying to process the sense of what I'm feeling and what I'm expecting with the way life really works. And I don't know about you, but in moments like that, I could use comfort. I could use hope. And that's why the Bible is such a uh, source of comfort and hope because we see from the very beginning, Christmas hasn't been one thing. It's a couple of different things. 
It's death and sadness and darkness and challenge. It's a world, you, you may not know this, the Christmas story has infanticide in it, meaning the death of children. That's part of the first Christmas story. And yet in the midst of that comes hope and life and peace and it's all up in there together. And we're just trying to sort it out and figure it out and, and, and understand how to have the Christmas that we're, we're hoping and dreaming for. Maybe you're online and you're like, I'm trying to make sense of this. I found that when we have big expectations for an event, for a moment, we also have big disappointments. And I was trying to think about how do we make this real? And so, I don't know, this is just crazy. This is the way my brain works. I was thinking about you and helping us to understand this. And so I thought of cupcakes. Now, I don't know when the last time you thought of cupcakes. Cupcakes used to be this thing that was easy that you did at kids' birthdays. But somewhere, somehow, a few years ago, the cupcake game has changed. Have you noticed? They've changed the game on us, right? So now all of a sudden you go to a cupcake shop, it's like gourmet, they're putting all kinds of things in there. My wife the other day goes, here, try this cupcake. I said, what's in it? She said, lemon and lavender. I said, that sounds like essential oils. But I try, you know, like the foodies got a hold of the cupcake and they took it to a different level, right? They're putting foie gras in cupcakes. You're like, I don't even know what that is. Unless you're a foodie, you don't get it. It's, it's, a, it's a deal, right? Like you could have a poblano pepper, dark chocolate, you know, like I didn't even know all that stuff belongs in there. And then you actually, have you tried to eat one of these cupcakes? Because they're monstrosities of icing, right? It's all over the place and you're looking at it. You're like, it looks really good. I don't know how to eat it. You could get a jaw injury trying to eat one of these cupcakes. You're like, do I need a knife and fork? What do I do with it? Then you try to eat it. Then you get frosting up the nose. And let's be honest, I'm not a frosting icing guy. I mean, a little bit of frosting icing is okay. You know, but what do you call a cupcake with no icing? It's a muffin. Still good, right? Like muffins... But you don't see anybody walking around with icing, right? Like, well, maybe you do. Maybe you online right now are sitting at home with a bucket of icing. I don't get it. God bless your ministry. It's between you and the Lord. But you need help. You're trying to figure out. I struggled. And this isn't even really part of the message, but this was a game changer. You need somebody to help you make sense of things for them to really hit the expectations that you have for them. So a few years ago, somebody showed me this, that if you take the bottom off, you put it on the top, you squeeze it, now you got a sandwich. That's free, that's part of the message. That'll just help your life. You'll enjoy cupcakes so much better. You try it my way, you're like, I don't know. Try it and then get back to me. Here's the thing. There's a difference between cake and icing. Icing is nice, but it's not the cake. And so we come to Christmas and we look at the icing. The icing is, you know, and again, this is not one of those messages where it's like, Jesus is the reason for the season. A Christmas tree is a pagan sign of worship. That's not what I'm saying, okay? So just relax. You could keep Frosty and Rudolph and Eddie, the uh, Buddy, the Elf, and the Elf on the Shelf, and whatever you and your family do, it's awesome. But just remember, it's icing. The cake is something different. The cake is something better than nostalgia. The cake is something better than tradition. The cake has the supernatural power to change our lives. So let's go to John chapter one, and so we can look at the cake. Now, you may have never thought this, you know, on their way to John 1. If you don't have a Bible, it's okay. We'll put it on the screen. If you've got the app, you can follow along there in the app. But you may have never thought about this, but the Bible really doesn't say a lot about Christmas. The details are sparse, right? If we look at the Gospels, it starts, the Gospel of Matthew gives us, it gives us a few, de a genealogy, a few details about Joseph's experience. It gives us the wise men or the magi, and then it moves on to Egypt, and it moves on to other things. 
Now, the Gospel of Luke is the one that, you know, Luke was a doctor, very thorough, lots of details. So the Christmas story you've heard the most, the one that feels the most nostalgic about Bethlehem and no room in the inn and the census and all that, that all comes from Luke. Now, the Gospel of Mark was written uh, through relationship with Peter. And if you know anything about Peter, Peter was in a hurry. Peter was not patient. Peter was all about ready, fire, aim. He didn't take time. He, he didn't want to wait. So Peter's gospel, the gospel of Mark, just skips it completely. He's like, forget about that birth stuff. Let's move on to the important stuff. He just jumps in. And then finally, the gospel of John, John being the most pastoral of the disciples, later in life, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, looks back and reflects on how this story fits in with the rest of the story. See, people sometimes have the perception, well, you got to tell us the birth story because the birth is the beginning. But the birth isn't the beginning of Jesus in the Bible. Jesus goes back to the very beginning. The birth is at best the middle. And most people, when they're telling a story, don't start in the middle. It's very important. But you could say that the story of Christmas is all through the Bible, just not in these narratives in the gospel. I think the gospel of John will help us. Look at this with me. John chapter 1, starting in verse 9. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Did you know that the reason we have Christmas lights as part of our Christmas celebration comes back to this verse? It's trying to remind us, it's trying to point us to this light. Back again to this idea of cake and icing. See, the light that we're looking for at Christmas is not the light of peace on earth, goodwill to men, though that could be part of it. It's not the light of nostalgia. It's not the light of getting that perfect gift for the kid at the right time. It's not just the light, even though I look forward to it just like you, of surprising your kids and seeing them overwhelmed with joy on the moment when they wake up and we do all kinds of things to try and create that moment and then we freak out if it doesn't happen. But all those things, while meaningful, they're not the light. The light doesn't come from us. The light comes from him. He was in the world... And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. You know, sometimes if you ask a kid, what, what's Christmas? If they've been around church, a kid will tell you, well, Christmas is Jesus' birthday. Think about that. So the Bible's saying, on this moment, imagine for you if it was your birthday. And on your birthday, instead of being recognized, they made up fictitious creatures or fictitious characters and recognized them instead of you. Pretty crazy to think about. How secure is Jesus? Maybe you're watching online. Maybe you're here in the room. Happens every year. We know it's happening right now. Instead of feeling merry and bright, instead of feeling warm, instead of feeling loved and valued, this Christmas you feel alone. You feel undervalued. You feel overlooked. You feel like the love and the hope and the sense of belonging that you need deep in your soul is not available. The people who should have loved you let you down and you feel all alone and you say, Jed, I don't feel like Christmas. No one knows how I feel. If that's how you feel, if you hear nothing else, I say, you're not alone. Because from the very beginning, John's telling us that there is a man and his name is Jesus who when he came to the world at great expense to himself, when he came to be received, no one received him, no one loved him, even though the world was for him. If you're alone, if you feel isolated, maybe you feel like I'm going through the fire, 
Maybe you feel like I'm underwater and I'm drowning. There is one with you in the fire. There is one with you in the water who sees you, who knows you, who loves you, and who is with you, ready to rescue you. This is the message of Christmas. We call this the incarnation. It's a big theological word that says God is with us. There is no God like Jesus who comes with us in our moment of pain to be with us. That's the cake. That's not icing. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. What John's saying is, if you're here, you're not an accident. If you're here, you're not just something that happened because of what happened between your mom and dad. You're here because the creator of the universe loved you, wanted to be with you, and not just to rescue you, but to place you into his family. The great C.S. Lewis one time said it this way. He summarized Christmas by saying this. Christmas tells us that the son of God became a man so that men might become sons of God. It's true for all of us. That's the hope that we experience. The word became flesh, made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. I love what John's saying here. We've seen his glory. We saw it. We didn't hear somebody else talk about it. It's not maybe someday, somewhere, some guy who no one really knows, who is way more righteous, way better, more perfect than us. No, no, those of us who made mistakes, those of us who didn't believe, those of us who didn't do the right thing, those of us in that group, we saw his glory. We experienced it for ourselves. And we received that glory which was full of grace and truth. We're gonna talk more about glory in a moment. It's a hard word, it's a church word, it's a religious word. We don't always know what it means. We know it's important, but we don't know how to verbalize it. But these other words, we get a sense of. Grace is this idea of a gift. We didn't earn it, we don't deserve it, we didn't choose it. God gave it to us freely. We love that about Christmas, this idea of gifts, this idea of un unmerited favor, this idea of giving someone something. And then this idea of truth, we understand truth this message, the hope, what, what's it really about? Help me make sense of this whole thing. What's the why behind the what? Truth makes grace so much more valuable because without truth, we don't really understand what's happening with grace. There's a psychological term for this. It's called resulting. When you look at a good thing that happened in your life and you attribute it to the wrong thing, it sets you down a wrong course. You ever met somebody who's done this? I've done this before. Like maybe you're super invested in a thing at work or something with your family or, or maybe something more trivial like a sporting event. And at the really important sporting event, your team wins and all of a sudden you're like, well, what shirt was I wearing? That's my lucky shirt. What seat was I sitting in? That's my lucky seat. And every time my team plays, I gotta sit in that seat and wear that shirt. Why? Psychologically, we're resulting. We think somehow something that has nothing to do with something else because we care so deeply, we try and think that's the secret. And we miss the point. Truth helps us go back to, no, 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 no. It's not you, it's Jesus, but he loves you and he's available to you. So I was thinking about how did I make glory real? Because here's what I believe. All three of these things come together at Christmas. The glory of God, the grace he gives, and the truth of what he's done for us. If you experience this glory, this grace, and this truth, your Christmas will be everything you hope for and more. And even more than that, if the people that you love see this glory of God, they, they receive this grace, they hear this truth, 
It'll be everything you could hope for and more. So I was thinking, how do I explain glory to you in a way that makes sense? Well, I'm gonna try my best, but first I thought I'd show it to you. Let's watch this together. There's a story that every single person in this tank right now has. And I'm telling you, if I had time, I'd tell you the whole story. It's amazing, y'all. It's powerful. And it's a story very similar to Jay's where their life was intersected by Jesus and he changed them forever. And that's something as a church family, we get pumped about. That's it. That's why we do this. So this is Heather. And uh, Heather, her story, there's, there's so much to it. There's so many complexities there. An abusive background, broken marriages, disenchantment with the church, hating the church. Um, was invited by a friend um, to come to Milestone. And in April, ended up in a Bible study here at Milestone, here at Milestone a small group with a couple of ladies she loves. And um, they were going through the book of John. And in that small group, Heather gave her life to Christ. The thing that's unique about it is she had never read the Bible in her entire life. That was the first time, wasn't it? So you opened up to John and God began to reveal himself to you. And through that, and through those ladies, you surrendered your life to Christ. I'm proud of you. That's an amazing step. All right. Heather, are you fully committed to following Jesus for the rest of your life? Yes. Well, based on that profession of faith, I baptize you now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You know... Maybe you're watching that. Maybe you're online. You're watching that. You're like, Jed, why did you show us that? Isn't it obvious? The glory of God was so strong in that baptismal that it fogged up Pastor Pat's glasses. <laughs> now, now here, here's what I mean. The word glory is the same. The word we would use in our common language would be the word weight. There's this sense when glory comes, there's a weightiness to it. There's something bigger. Some, we, we struggle to even articulate. We don't even know how to, we lack the language. We lack the ability to talk about the things that matter most. A moment ago when we were singing, Oh Holy Night, my favorite Christmas song, and we sing that part that said, the soul felt its worth. The soul, that deepest part of you, feels alive. It feels loved. It feels valued. It feels seen. We don't even know how to talk about that, but it's what we care about the most. And in the same way, this sense of glory, this sense of weight, I don't know if you could tell, but the woman, Heather, Pastor Pat was saying, she hated church. She had a hurt. She had abuse in her background. Why is she standing in water with tears coming down her face? Is it just religious fanaticism? Is it just emotionalism? No, in that moment, the weight of the glory of God, I didn't just get spiritual information. I didn't just get ideas. Somehow, this God who's real and all-powerful and eternal has come into my life and loved me and I don't know what to say or do, so tears come out of my eyes. That's what glory is. People come into the environment. They, 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 they come to worship. They sing a song. They're like, what was that song? It's incredible. They think it's the song. It's not the song. It's the God who inhabits the song. Look at these pictures behind me. Story after story. Men in their 50s giving their lives to Christ. I don't know if you know that. It's a statistical anomaly. 95% of people who give their lives to Christ do so before the age of 25. And yet by the grace of God routinely in this environment, there are people giving 
giving their lives to Christ, later in life it's a miracle that's only possible, not through gifts or persuasion, but the glory of God. And it fills a room and a heart says, I want that. I need that. I can't be without that. If you're watching online, make no mistake. Hear what I'm saying. That's the cake. It's not us. It's not what we're doing. It's God's heart moving through the lives of people. Maybe right now in this moment, you feel that glory. I mean, if you saw the picture there, I could tell you, I could go back. Just go back for a minute, guys. Put the pictures back up there. I could go over each one of these stories. There's a story in the middle there. Blew me away. I was weeping as I was watching. A high school principal sees a young girl, and there's no one there to, to love her and value her. She's concerned about her future. She adopts her, brings her into her home, and she says, I want to know she has a place where she could belong. They get baptized together. Are you kidding me? You, you, you see, well, you guys, pastors, you're talking about it. You're crying about it. You're crying about it now. Why? Are you just excited? More people joining the church? No. I'm overcome like John because I didn't just get spiritual information. I saw the glory of God myself. The other night at Joy, we're singing, and the worship team goes, just you with your voices. The room began to fill with voices. The room didn't just have voices in it. It had voices, but the glory of God was there too. That's the cake. And when you experience that glory, your heart responds. It's a mystery. We don't totally understand it. But what we know is when that glory appears, when that glory shows up, it can show up in your home. It can show up in your workplace. It shows up when God's people gather in God's name. We want the people that we love to be in that glory so their lives can be changed. That's what we really want. More than a white Christmas, more than the perfect gift, more than the perfect Christmas meal. What we're all longing for, even though we lack the ability to articulate it, is to experience the glory of God and for the people that we love the most to experience it too. We're going to have an opportunity over the next few weeks to see this become real both here in the room at any of our campuses and those of you online. I know many of you want to be here with us. and In a moment, I'm going to speak specifically to those of you online. But if we were to consider, what, what do we do, Jed? What are you asking me to do? What's my part? If this is God's heart for our, our city, our region, the world, what do I do? What's my part? Well, it's three things because it's always three things. But this week, it, it is three things that we do. And the first thing that we do is that we pray. We pray. And you know, I know it's like, okay, well, that's kind of obvious. What, what, what do you mean by that? Well, who should I pray for? I, do I get a list? What do I do? Well, no, no, it's really simple. Pray for the people in your life. Pray for your neighbor. Pray for your coworker. Pray for your kids. Pray for your parents, your siblings. Anybody in your life that you know of, pray for them. Pray for our team. Pray for Pastor Jeff. Pray for the people who will come in person for the first time. Pray for the people who will watch online, even for a moment, even maybe by mistake, that God would speak to them. You know, the Bible says this in Colossians 4.2, devote yourselves to prayer. Here's the thing that's so great about God. When he asks us to do something, we even receive a benefit. Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Here's the thing. When you pray, it's not just, hey, I'm doing a religious duty for someone else. It helps discipline. It helps train your mind. Do you know, I saw this week, that the Gallup poll did a survey between 2019 and 2020. And in the area of mental health, there's only one group one group who's healthier year over year from 2019 to 2020. This is what the Gallup poll said. This is not me. Do you know what that group was? That group was people who regularly worship in church. The only group that in their mental health and in their mental state is better than they were a year ago. So our minds are improved and then our hearts are improved too. 
See, our hearts change, because here's what's gonna happen over the next couple weeks. You're gonna be in situations where your heart's gonna get tested. People are gonna get on your nerves, like in a real way. You're in your mind gonna be like, if one more person does one more thing, we're canceling Christmas. I promise, you're going there. Let's be honest in church. Be honest online, you've thought that. So here's what you do in that moment. You may have never thought about this strategy. Here's a great strategy. In that moment, you pray for them. And, and, and here's what I mean when I say pray for them. I'm not talking about the Old Testament prayers. You're not qualified for that, right? Like the prophet prays, God, send fire down to judge them. Leave that for Elijah. You're not, you're not ready yet. Maybe years from now, but not, not, not yet. So what you pray for them is, God, I pray that you'd bless them. I pray that they'd experience your love. I pray that even though they're, they're making me feel bad about myself or, 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 what, or my life, I, I pray that you would show them your goodness. And the amazing thing is this, when you pray for someone, it's really hard to be mad at them because when you pray for someone, you begin to see them the way that God sees them. So what do we do? We're gonna pray. Here's the second thing we're gonna do. We're gonna invite people. And you're like, okay, Jed, of course you're saying invite. This is like church extension, brand extension, church marketing. It's not really. You read the Bible, Jesus had a parable that he told a couple times, a couple different ways, and in Matthew 22, he tells it this way. He said, there's a king who's gonna throw a feast for a wedding. Now, I read this a little bit differently now because I have four children and my oldest child, she's a daughter, she's in college, and she just got engaged to be married, so this passage is even more real to me, and so um, it's, I'm not old enough for that to happen. I don't know how this happened. Anyways, pray for me. <laughs> like, while you're praying, pray for me. Anyways, um, in the dress fittings and all these things, I was thinking about it, and, and, and here's how the, the parable goes. This king said, go find everyone and invite everyone to this celebration. This is the heart of the God we serve. See, people think, well, I, God would never invite me to something important. God would never invite me to something special. Oh, yes, he would. That's his heart. And he wants you and I to be included in that heart, to be the kind of people who are looking for those who think God would never, and you say, oh, yes, he would, and you bring them in. Now, I, I know what you think, and if you're online, I'm coming to you. Don't forget, I'm coming back to you online, but here's the thing. In the room, you're like, I, Jed, I, I would, but I'm, I, you know, I, got, I got some issues with that idea, and I, and I know that, and I'm going to help you. First issue most people have is, well, that's not really my personality. I'm not the kind of person who really invites people to stuff. I'm really more of an introvert, which I totally get. I understand it. We love you introverts. We're glad you're here, but we got help for you. It's called the yard sign. What you do is you just take that bad boy. You don't got to talk to anybody. You just take it. You plop it in your yard, and you let that thing do its work, and it just goes, right? Like, there you go, off and running. Don't have to talk to anybody. Don't have to memorize names. You're fine, Right? It's a great little deal. And introverts, you could just go further. Here's another one. You're gonna make Christmas treats. I know you have some kind of, everybody has them in their home. And just bake a little extra. And then just take an extra plate, take a service card, put it on that plate and give it to somebody at work. Or knock on a door, do a, do a door dash, right? Like you knock, set it on the door, you knock, you take off. You don't got the confidence to invite them. You let that treat do the heavy lifting. You're inviting them. Some of you, this is no big deal for you. You love doing this. You're gonna tell us anyway about the last show you binged or the thing that you read. So just tell them. Listen, and, and, and here's the thing. People think, well, the second objection is, you know, maybe they don't wanna come. They don't wanna come. If I invite them, they're gonna say no, and no one likes rejection. But, but if you were listening, our baptism, our baptismal last weekend was filled with people who didn't wanna come to church. But you know what happened? Somebody said, I'm asking them anyways. 
I'm gonna invite them anyways. And it's amazing how we've seen agnostics and people from other faiths and people who felt like if I were to go to the church, the church would fall down. People who thought, no way, but someone invited them and somehow they came. Because here's the thing, your job is to invite them. Your job is not to make them come. So we always say it this way, don't say no for anybody in your life. Let them say no. You don't say no for them because you don't know what that moment, how it might change eternity. One invite could change their lives and the future of their family forever. So you just trust God and you just invite them and then you watch what happens. Here's the third thing. You think, well, I don't, what, what if, uh, I don't know enough. What if they ask me a question I don't know the answer to? It's fine. Happens to all of us. The other day I was in one of our intern environments a couple years back and somebody was like, hey, Pastor Jed, I got a question. You're the smart guy. I was like, what? He goes, did Adam and Eve have belly buttons? I was like, you got problems. Why would you ask that? You're like, well, do you know the answer? I do, but you have to come back. It's a different service. It's not the service. But the point is, you don't have to know all the answers. If you're online, you're like, what if they, I don't know what to say. Listen, you can text them, you can invite them, you can send them a link. Just do what you normally do. And it's not about information. It's about relationship. What you're saying is, hey, do you and your family want to celebrate Christmas with me and my family? It's less about, hey, do you know all the verses in the Bible? It's like, do you like me? Do you care about me? Do you want something to do with your family? Let's do this together. That's what changes people's hearts. People want to know, is there something that other families are doing that benefits their family that our family could benefit from? I guarantee you people are thinking that. They may not even know how to, they, you know, all the time. I, I ask people, I say, how'd you hear about Milestone? Well, I wasn't even really thinking about coming to church, but my friend invited me, so here I am. It can happen to you. And then here's the last one, kind of unique for this year. They're scared. They're, they're scared of crowds. I get it. I'm not a big crowd person. The only place I like crowds is church, right? So like, and that's because it's eternal. So it's like, we'll make room for everybody. But, but I know you're thinking, well, what about spacing? And, and here's what's gonna happen. We're gonna physical distance in every service. We're gonna create space with grace and with love. We're gonna create places that, that, are, that are unique, that people can have room. And, and you're like, well, those, the, you know, I've been to church on Christmas Eve. It's packed up in there. I don't know if that's safe. It's a super, no, it's not. Here's what we're thinking about. Okay, we go to all the services and there's lots of services. Look at all these. And we put in yellow the ones that traditionally, based on research, are a little bit lower attended. Plenty of space, plenty of room. If you love the crowds, come later on Christmas evening, uh, Christmas Eve. It's going to be packed. It's going to be powerful. If you're looking for space, maybe you're watching online and you're like, you know, I, I, Jed, some of us online, they're like, we, we want to come back, but we're not sure if we're ready. Well, this is a moment. We would love for you to come and we're gonna do our very best to make it safe. Some of you are watching online and you're like, it's not that I, it's not that I won't, it's I can't. I have an immune compromised kid. We totally understand it. And here's what we want you to know. This is a family moment and you are part of the family. So we've been thinking about you, praying for you, and we want you to know you're part of this. So look at what our team came up with for those of you online. We came up with these online kits the candlelight moment is powerful. We, we, it's a moment where we see the light of the world. We do it as a family. You're not missing out. You're part of it. We're sending you the candles. We're sending you activities for the kids. We're sending you hot cocoa and a mug. We're doing everything we can so that every person has an opportunity to experience this for themselves, which brings us to the third and final thing that we're gonna do. We're gonna serve. See, because when the king throws a party, it takes work. It takes people who are willing to help, and you guys do this so well. This is not about, hey, we're prioritizing volunteers because we need to fill slots. No, no, 
This is about one of those things where it's like we want something for you much more than we want something from you because in the kingdom of God, here's the way it works. The more we fixate, the more we focus on who's thinking about me, who's helping me have a moment, the more elusive that moment becomes. But when we start to think, you know what my goal is? My job is to make somebody else have a moment with God that they'll never forget. I've never met anyone who said, my desire is to help someone else have a moment with God they'll never forget, who didn't they themselves, because of that attitude, have that moment themselves. You could serve online, you could serve here. We, we've got an address here on the website. If you open up the app, if you're on campus on the way out, you could talk to someone at the info booth. There's opportunities. Here's what we like to say. We're in every one church. If we were to backtrack from the people who give their lives to Christ who end up in the baptism tub, you're like, how'd you get here? Well, it wasn't one thing, it was a lot of things. Someone was praying for me, someone cared about me, someone invited me, then when I got here, somebody met me in the parking lot and they made me feel so welcome that I didn't know where to go and there was a lot of cars, I felt overwhelmed. They put me right up front, they took care of me, they smiled, they greeted me, they walked me in, they helped me with my kids when I got here, they helped me, they gave me coffee, they did all these things. I never wondered, am I supposed to be here because everyone around me made it clear, oh yeah, this is for you and you're loved and we want you to be here. Somebody had to serve them for that to happen. And when people serve with that attitude and that heart, it changes everything. See, we like to say we're in everyone's church. Everyone has a gift. Everyone has something to offer. Everyone has something to contribute. The Bible says in Ephesians 4 that the church grows and builds itself up in love when every part does their part in what God asks them to do. You have a part. You have a plan. So I'm going to pray for you. And I'm going to pray for all of us for what God wants to do over these next couple weeks. But I want you to think about this. Maybe just close your eyes right where you're at. Maybe as you're watching online, just listen to what I'm saying for a moment. Here's what I know to be true. Every one of us, as we stop and think, there's a friend, there's maybe a child, maybe it's a sibling, maybe it's a neighbor, maybe it's a coworker. And when we think about them, we get concerned. We know they're far from God. And if we're honest, we wonder, what would it take? What would it take for them to enter into a relationship? What would it take for them to go from being hurt and angry and upset and frustrated and unwilling to talk? How, what's the road from them to go from that point to a place where, like Heather, with tears in their eyes, they say, I feel loved, I feel valued, I feel this God who wants a relationship with me. What would we be willing to do to help them walk down that road? If we were to back up, we would see that somewhere, someone was willing to pray. Not that anyone would ever know, not that they would ever get credit, but people prayed. They didn't just say they would pray, they actually prayed, and they went to God and they said, God, See this person, see their heart, see their struggle. Maybe you're online right now, you know who I'm talking about and you know God's asking you to pray, so just do it. Then somewhere along the way, next step on the road, someone had to invite them. Someone had to stop thinking about their challenges and their problems and their struggles and who's taking care of them to think about someone else and to invite them and to encourage them and to inspire them, but someone did it. And because someone invited them, they came. And when they came, they didn't just come to a box. They didn't just come to get information. They were welcomed into a family where people 
were inconvenienced. People took time out of their busy Christmas schedule to show up and to serve somebody else. And because somebody prayed and because somebody invited them and because somebody who didn't even know their name and never had seen them before in their lives served them with the love of Jesus, that person experienced the glory of God. Here's what's gonna happen in the next two weeks. Hundreds and hundreds of people are gonna experience that glory of God. And what we want is for it to be the person you're thinking about, the person you're praying for, the person that you think they would never happen. But what if they did? Jesus, we sense your presence. We sense your glory. You're moving in this place. So we do our part. We just say, we'll say yes, Jesus. Let's keep taking steps. There's challenges, there's questions we don't have answers for, but what we know is that you love us and you wanna be with us. Lord, I'm praying that you'd help each of us to do our part and that these next couple weeks, we'd see the greatest outpouring of your love and your glory that we've ever experienced and that you would receive it and it would be the greatest Christmas we've ever had. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To take your next step in your relationship with God, we invite you to join us in person or online at milestonechurch.com. There, you'll find service times and events happening around the church. We'll see you next week.